Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up. Maya Wilson. My favourite food in the world is a steak and egg fry bread from the Autata Flea Markers. I actually took one of my former stars teammates out there and, and she's the only, normally people are like, this is so good, like this is so yum. She was the first one who said, this is my cholesterol intake for the month. <laughs> <laughs> this chick from Christchurch and I was like, never, I was a gobsmacked. I was like, who says it? Like this is the best. But when with Dad, he would... <laughs> You like that one, eh? Yeah, I got it. You like that one? Yeah, I got it. Maya Wilson first made the Silver Ferns netball side in 2016 when she was still 19 and has been there shooting goals, and lots of them, ever since. But Maya is so much more than just an awesome netballer. For starters, before she represented New Zealand in netball, she played basketball for New Zealand when she was just 16. So she's what's known as a double international, but she's so much more than just good at sport. In this conversation... We chat about a whole range of stuff like body image, self-worth, and society's pressures faced by professional athletes. Also, coping with the death of her nana and dad in quick succession, then getting through the lockdown while helping nurse her mum through a diagnosis of lung cancer. Maya Wilson has dealt with a ton of adversity, which has helped make her the fierce, bulletproof, resilient wahine that she is today. As well as being talented, fiercely competitive and driven, She's also hilarious. I loved hanging out with her, and I hope you guys love it as well. Just before we get into it, thanks very much to the legends at Radix Nutrition for bringing you this episode. Look, I know I'm obliged to say nice things about them because they sponsor the podcast, but I hope you guys know that I will never say I believe in something unless I actually mean it. And I was a fan of Radix products long before they approached me to sponsor the podcast. Give them a follow on social media or check out their website, to see the incredible, game-changing products they are making at their state-of-the-art factory in the Waikato. Their products have been the go-to for professional and elite sports people for years, but all of us can benefit from the Radix range. Radix is spelled R-A-D-I-X. If you like what you see, give them a go. I almost guarantee you will become a return customer. That is how good their products are. All right, let's get into the episode. Maya Wilson from the Silver Ferns on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast pace, slow and steady, any way you come and come. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Maya Wilson. G'day, Maya. Hi, kia ora. Get in nice and close to that. Come on, you want to hear my juicy voice? Yeah. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having me. So to be here. Really appreciate it. You are the... um, I went for a run this morning and I was thinking about this. I think I'm sure you're the third double international that I've had on the podcast. Matthew Ridge, rugby oh, yeah. and league. Uh, Sophie Devine, cricket and hockey. She was a basketballer back in her day, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, wrong. Not at national wrong level. And you, you, level. so you, you, you're um, a regular in the Silver Ferns, have been for years now. Yeah. And you played basketball for the country as well. I did. I'm glad you've done your research, Dom. Like, you've done not too shabby. I yeah, debuted for the Tall Ferns, so the women's team when I was 16. And yeah, had a pretty cool pathway deciding whether I wanted to go to the States on college basketball scholarship or play netball. And I chose to stay at home, so... 
Yes. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that. The obvious choice and the exciting choice would have been to go to America. Mm. Uh, so you're, you're obviously really good at basketball, like naturally good. Did you just prefer netball as a sport? Uh, see, this whole decision, I low-key got vilified for it from so many different people thinking that I should have just gone to the States. But I felt like I always wanted to be a dual international. Netball were really smart and got me into the Silver Ferns environment when I was about 15 as a training partner. And I thought, okay, I've ticked like half of that goal off. I can stay in New Zealand and still study for free. So why don't I just take that goal off, play, and actually get paid for it? Because in the States, I wasn't going to get paid for it. So Yeah, but th- there's a lot of opportunities that would go, you know, come along with the scholarship. Yeah, I never thought I was going to make it, though. I mm. never thought that I was ever going to be WNBA worthy, whereas I felt like that pathway to become a silver firm was pretty much I had my foot in the door. And in some ways, I felt like I'd been groomed to potentially take on that Silver Ferns bib. I suppose um, like if you compare those two sports, women's netball in New Zealand, massive. Yeah. Women's basketball in New Zealand, not so massive. Yeah, and at that time, there wasn't like a, a women's league where they were getting mm. paid in New Zealand, but they, they do now. And I just feel like I'm, I'm not regretful of the decision that I've made. I feel like it's done me quite well. But I would love to play basketball. Like, I was really good at smashing people, like smash and bro. <laughs> I, that's one of my goals. If I could be on smash and bro, oh, I feel the like crowd goes I've, wild. I've, made, I've made it. Yeah. How aggressive can you be in netball? It, it's quite com- confrontational. I, pl- I played a bit of social netball over the years. Um, what position? You're looking like a gold keep goldie to me. A, B, C, anything but centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, I was really good at a screen. Like you can actually get elbows in there. There's a bit more grabbing, but I guess in netball, they call it a non-contact sport, but it definitely has a lot of contact in it, especially as the, I guess, as the game's progressing. But yeah, get me on a screen mm. on a pick and roll, and Bob's your uncle, I'm in there. Get you on a, get you on a what with a what? A pick, a, oh, see, this is, this is basketball <laughs> this lingo. Put me on a screen, oh. pick and roll, <laughs> I'm, go, I'm going to town. How much, how much of what you do is natural talent? Dual international by the age of 19. Yep. Tall ferns at 16. Yep. Silver ferns not long after that. So there must have been some natural talent there. But one thing I've discovered with this podcast, doing this over a year, natural talent only gets you so far, and then there's hard work that's required as well. I've had a different journey. I was really lazy at high school, and I was lucky that I was involved in teams that were successful and that netball and basketball were picking me for my natural talent. Once I left high school to play for the Central Pulse I learnt what training was. So I hated running. I'm still not the biggest fan of run of running, but I know that I've put myself into position. That's what you do as an athlete, and to be the best of the best, that's what you got, physically you got to be able to be capable. Mm. Um, so I felt like it got me so far, and then it put me on the bench. So I'd never been benched until I played the made the silver ferns, wow. and that was a learning curve for me. But it just meant that I needed to develop that. Yeah. training ethic and work ethic, and I feel like I've finally got there now. I forgot about the running and how much you hate running. While researching this, yeah, I, I stumbled across a story that you did, and you, you were really good at soccer when you were younger. Yeah. And you used to play on the, like the quarter fields or the yeah. mini fields or whatever, and then it, as soon as it progressed to the full-size field yeah. and you had to run, you were like, nah, 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 I'm, nah, I'm done. I could toe-hack the ball. Honestly, I was so good. I could go toe-hack one end to the other, and then it got full 100 metres, and I was like... I'm not running. I'm not running anymore. I, I, why run 100 metres when you can stay in a five metre circle and netball and not move yeah that's a whole all a part of the job shuttles yo-yo have you tried a yo-yo have you heard of a yo-yo a yo-yo a yo-yo test is like a beat test 
but it's like um, sprint endurance. So you sprint 20 metres out, 20 metres back, have 10 seconds of rest, and it gets faster and faster. So as a part of our netball, we have to do it, and we have to make target to make silver ferns. So if you're not fit enough to make target, you don't make the team. I reckon wow. you should give it a crack. Oh, I'd love to. So what you're saying, I think, is you can like make that silver ferns environment with natural talent, but then you've got to fucking work. I feel like I was probably a very rare case of natural talent yeah. um, to be able to make there. But, yeah, I would say I wish I developed the work ethic way younger because uh, I feel like I'd be leaps and bounds ahead of where I currently am. But at the same time, I sort of feel like I'm starting to hit my prime. So Yeah, yeah. Were you just a big kid for your age in terms of height and stuff like that? Were yeah. You, is that what made you good? Yeah, I've always been, I've yeah. always been massive, like – I want to say I was, whatever, like eight years old and I was the second tallest person in my primary school and the, the tallest person was my brother. So <laughs> my, I'm 6'2", my brother's 6'4", 6'5", my older sister's 6' foot, and my dad in his prime maybe was 5'11", and my mum's 5'5". Five five. So I didn't necessarily come from tall pedigree, mm. but it really helped in terms of, yeah, ball sports like basketball, netball, mm. height, can be one of the reasons you make a team when you don't. Yeah. Well, you so you went to Mount, Mount Albert and yeah. you were in the school's like top netball team in yeah. your, your first year. So you're like 13. Yeah. And you're playing with the 17 to 18 year olds. Yeah. So it was a thing back in Mags at, at that day was that you'd start blooding some of your talent from year nine. So myself and Holly Fowler, who's in my uh, Stars netball team, we were a part of that. That was the we were blooded to be where we are, and part of that too. I was also playing prem basketball from year nine. Um, what else was I doing? And at, at the same time, you're playing school netball with your peers, and then you'd be playing women's club netball with the likes of um, when I first started, Portia Woodman, um, oh. Kayla McAllister, Maria Tutaia, Sudel Fitzpatrick, Jamie Lee Price. Like I could just name off all these ANZ and Silver Ferns. And so Saturdays I'd be playing with my school, and Thursday nights I'd be playing with and against women. How how was that? In terms of um, more, I guess the off-court stuff. Like, uh, do you know it's a huge age gap? Mm. It was a huge age gap, but did they, it was... did they treat you like a kid, or did they sort of treat you like a peer? Oh, a bit of both. Yeah, yeah definitely a bit of both. As we first started, we were definitely those young ones that were a bit <laughs> annoying. And are they actually Boys, good to be doing, here? The, doing the TikToks? <laughs> yeah, doing the TikToks, the unco TikToks. That was definitely us. But I think that was probably a real fundamental part of my development because I was playing with some of the best in the game at club level. And you know, and actually, sometimes it was harder to play school because you go from playing at this really high level with women to having to drop down a bit, there was definitely a significant drop. So I actually found dropping down to school actually a lot more challenging because I had to um, – it wasn't the same pace. The people around you weren't necessarily playing at the level that you were used to playing. It would seem common sense that it would be easier. It would be like if, if you're an all-black and then you go and play rugby in Japan or in France for a season, you think it would be easier. But I suppose it is – it comes with its own sets of challenges. Yeah, I, it was way harder because there'd be – for example, there'd be balls that I would get fed from some of the women that I'd be expecting at school game and it wouldn't happen or sometimes I'd be getting a bit complacent and then someone would come out of nowhere. So, yeah, even nowadays I still play a bit of club netball in, in the off-season to just muck around and it's that whole the, – the style of the game and knowing that actually you're that older head that needs to be a bit more supportive and, and go with what's happening mm. around you rather than – just getting used to what what is your normal. Older head, how old are you? Twenty five. Twenty five. Are, are you like one of the uh, in the sort of senior leadership team in the Silver Ferns now? 
Would I? Would you say you've been around for a while? Yeah, I've been around seven years. Seven years you've been in the fins. Yeah, I would probably be maybe the second tier. Wow. Yeah. So I have been around. I'm not necessarily starting at the moment, but yeah, I've got that experience and I guess natural leadership. Mm. So uh, yeah, I sort of see that as my job to serve and be around and be there when people need me. Yeah, cool. Well, there's so much to talk about with you, and I'm so pleased you're here today. Let's go all the way back. So you're um, you're from Auckland, South Auckland. Yes. Mum, dad, and two brothers, did you say? I have an older brother and an older sister. So you're the baby of the family? I'm the baby. Really? What does that mean? I'm the princess. (laughs) Are you? Yeah, I definitely was. When I was growing up, I was the person that could twist my dad's arm and somehow there'd be lollies or hot chips <laughs> or bribes that would be going down. So, yeah, that was me. Yeah, and you're, you're, quite, um, you're quite connected with your, um, your whanau and your whakapapa and stuff. Yes. Right, right I, into the culture. Yeah, right. Very staunch Māori upbringing. Yeah, my mum's got a moko kauai. Um, I was quite fortunate enough because for a lot of urban Māori, they move to the big cities and they have to move away from home. But for me, my um, where I whakapapa to on my dad's side is Māngere. So I got to be raised on my marae, which is, was really important for me. And maybe in some instances, there's a bit of disconnect for me from my mum's side, where she's in the north. But lucky enough, she's moved back to mm. back, moved back to the Hokianga after 25 years in our whanau home. So mm. hopefully that'll come. When you say raised on your marae, like what, what do you mean? Do you li- li- actually live on the marae? Well, yes and no. So uh, my parents split when I was about 13, and my dad moved back to our marae, back to our papakainga. So it just meant that every pretty much every weekend or fortnightly, I was was I was there and really fond memories of yeah it was this little piece of paradise in the middle of Auckland that no one had a clue about because it was by the airport mm. so uh, for yeah it's, it's a bit different now my dad passed away when I was 18 so it's still something that's coming it's a bit of a disconnect but for me it's really important that I go back there and one day be the big chief yeah is that the goal yeah yeah definitely a big goal my dad had was one of the um key like treaty negotiators and komato on our pie so for me a part of his legacy is being able to go back and make things better for you know my nieces and nephews that are running around and for our future generations yeah oh that's cool what was life like growing up did you did you get picked on by your older brother and sister were they quite Um, nice to you well, my sister is a lot, she's about 16 years older than me, so we didn't necessarily grow up around her that much. It was mostly my brother and I. If you ask my brother, he probably found me so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. So how annoying. Much, how much older is he? He's two years. What the, What happened? Why was there a 14 year, year, year gap between the first and the second? So my, my older sister, I've, technically I've got two older sisters. Um, they're half-sisters, so my dad had two kids when he was about 17. My older sister passed away when she was six weeks old of cot death, and then a year later they had um, had my next sister. So, yeah, she was raised with my grandparents, and then once my brother and I came along, we were raised by my mum and my dad. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. You mentioned um, before you, your dad passing away, so um, this happened on the, the year that you made the Silver Ferns. Yeah, 2016 yeah. was a massive year for me. First year out of school, first year playing for the well, moving out of home, living in Wellington, playing for the Pulse, and so halfway through the Pulse season, I lost my grandmother um, from leukemia, and then six months later, my dad passed away of um, a brain aneurysm caused by a tumor. 
that was really unexpected. And so, yeah, two pretty prominent figures in my life. One you sort of can prepare for because you know it's going to happen, but, yeah, my dad was a massive shock. So Mm. I, I remember when I got the phone call, I was in the middle of nowhere in Wellington with no reception and then feeling a bit of a shock getting on a plane and my dad's in ICU. So dad was in ICU for about five days. And then, yeah, never never did I think at 18 I was going to have to deal with wills and estates and all that sort of jazz. So that was quite full on. We'll go back and focus on your, your nana first because um, yeah, there's, there's a clip online. I watched it yesterday. It gave me um, gave me goosebumps, actually. So you're playing with your Pulse team. Um, everyone's wearing black armbands as a yeah. tribute to your nana. And then afterwards, it's, it's like you, just, you find your mum in the crowd and you just go over oh. there and you're sobbing. Yeah, absolutely just broke down. I think, oh, you, yeah, like I said, you can prepare for stuff like this, but then you can't, and, and knowing that I had to leave my baggage at the door, play a game, and then feel not just physically exhausted, but just emotionally wrecked. Mentally drained. And knowing that I had to go back to a funeral straight after, so, yeah, it was sort of like a roller coaster of emotions all happening at once and then just, like, flopping. What was your relationship with your nana like? Were you pretty, pretty tight? Yeah, yeah, very, very yeah. close with my grandmother. Um, we didn't necessarily have the best relationship with my dad's family. So my grandmother and my, uh, and my papa on my mum's side were pretty much our rocks. And um, my brother and I were the only grandchildren. So we were quite spoilt all the time. Um, and that was the third bout of cancer that my grandmother had had. So over the years, she had oh. breast cancer, she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then she passed away with leukaemia. So it was a pretty full-on journey um, with her and, yeah. How old was she? Oh, Jay's terrible. She must have been like 71. Yeah, that's not yeah. old. Yeah, no. Nah. It's the same age as my mum now. Yeah, and then my mum got my mum got lung cancer in 2020. So I think, you know. Shit, cancer's got it in for your family. Yeah, cancer sucks, bro. Like, <laughs> it is. It, can it sucks get balls. Wrecked. It sucks balls. And, yeah, so I think that impact again. Like, every year, somehow something, oh, tragic or really hard happens and that I have to go through so I've, I've learnt part of my maturity now is because I feel like I've dealt with so much crap like being there done that nothing's really going to stop me mm. yeah because I, I think um, there's some people that are lucky that, and they're, they're just born with resilience and they manage to shake everything off and nothing bothers them and then for, for everyone else maybe they don't have the same level of resilience but you can it's like a muscle you can build it yeah do you think you've always been a resilient person or do you think that the adversity and stuff that you've been through has sort of mm. yeah, given you resilience definitely adversity yeah. and like quite high adversity like life or death situations no or um you know bursts of mental health like stressful mental health issues for for people in my environment so yeah that's why i'm like any little things just don't seem to phase me and i, I feel just like honestly i've been through the works and sometimes i'm just used to like okay put your big girl pants on and you just keep going like you can break down once everything's done and there'll be a piece of time and then you'll be a wreck mm. but right now you just have to get on with it oh good for you because i feel like adversity can sort of make or break people so it can either make you stronger like it has with you or these other people that can just carry it around like an invisible baggage i think it's different too if it's about other like your loved ones rather than you like i felt like in those moments i had people relying on me so just get on with it um like parents like family 
um, or teammates. Like at times I, I remember when my mum had lung cancer, I'd be rushing to training and then I'd be going home and I had to shower mum or do her pills and make sure she was eating. I was her full-time caregiver as well as having to do, yeah, like media ops and promos and going to training. Like it was a full-time gig. Study, study on the side of that too. No, just normal day in the life. Just yeah. keep going. What about um? What about your other siblings? Like you, you talk about racing home and sharing your mum and helping your mum sort her pills and stuff. Were you like, come on, guys, step up? I'm fucking, <laughs> I've got the netball and I'm doing this. Yeah, yes and no. I guess I knew that I'm one of like the pose, one of the people that hold it down in my family. So part of it, I took on the responsibility of that. And with my being female and it was my mum, there was a lot of stuff she only wanted me to do. Mm. So it just meant that. Oh, of course, like the showering and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah just any, like pretty much anything yeah, my mum okay. just wanted me to do. So it was... Because <laughs> are, are you the most trustworthy? Are you bossy? Yeah, are you I'm bossy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assertive. I'm, I'm a planner. I do things based on logic. Uh, it's quite funny because you think um you think the baby of the family would be like the the unbossy one. I don't know. No, I just, run the roost. Eh? My this uh, my sister Charlotte. She's the baby of our family. And she she's bossy as fuck. Yeah, bosses everyone around. My brother's really good too. He just lets me do my thing and he'll just like go with it. I think part of it I'm going to say that he likes me doing everything because then he doesn't have to. He literally birthday presents, Christmas presents. He won't do anything, and so all the time, Mother's Day just happened. Oh, this is from myself and Kahi. <laughs> Everything's myself and Kahi, and everyone knows that Kahi hasn't done anything, but uh, grateful. And then I say, what did we get yeah, them? And I have yeah. to remind him of whatever I get. He, said, he sounds a bit like me. I, I, I like being told what to do, I think. You know, there's some people that are like that, and some people want to be the, the leader, and some people just are happy to be a follower. I'm happy to go with the flow. I'm like, I'm, I'm team bro on this one. You're team bro, so you're not dominant. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Just go back to that Pulse game for a second, the, the black armband one, in tribute to your nana. So, like, what do you remember about the game itself? Do you, rem- do you remember anything, or was it just like a blur? Like, you're just sort of running, no. on, running on fumes? Yeah, I can't even remember what the score was. I'm pretty sure we probably lost, because we lost most games that year. Yeah, nothing. It just feels like it went so fast, and I remember being exhausted. And most of my memories of that game actually is of that piece that you watch. So, yeah, it's crazy how you can just black out mm. some moments. Do you remember that piece that I mentioned that that's online? Do you remember that from being in the moment or from like watching it online at a later date? Um, probably watching it online. Yeah. I, I remember the whole scenario, but I wouldn't remember anything situational or, or any of the context of it. Just, mm. yeah, completely gone from my memory. Yeah. And did you, can you remember if you had a good game or not? Did I have a good game? When, when have you ever had a bad nah. game? No, I can't remember. Honestly, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that crazy? So you're just sort of running on autopilot, muscle memory, whatever yeah, you want to call memory, it. muscle memory, autopilot, and just get through. Like, all you've got to do is survive and get through it. You'll be sweet once you do. It's such a nice tribute, being able to wear the black bands for your nana. Yeah, I was really grateful too, because, yeah, I was the youngest of the team, so, well, one of the younger ones, and you feel like it brings people together, you feel mm. a bit more loved. And I also had to fly up earlier than the team when that happened too, so it's different. Um... Yeah, travelling all the time, you're stuck with everyone for a whole day or a couple of days, and then sometimes it's quite disruptive when people come in and out, so really yeah. grateful for that. Yeah, who, whose idea was it? Was it like the coach or the captain? It's quite a common thing in netball to wear black armbands and, and tribute to someone, so I can't remember whose it was, mm. but yeah. And your dad, so tell yeah. us about Joseph Wilson. Joseph Wilson, he, um, oh geez, what do I t- talk about my dad? He, I was daddy's little girl. 
And so pretty much whatever I wanted, I got. <laughs> yeah, you um, mentioned the lollies before. Yeah, I mentioned – so, yeah, I talk about my – this is the difference between my brother and I. My dad would always – he loved trade me and he loved going to, like, car fairs. <laughs> so we would – he would be like – he'd want a mate to go. So he'd ask one of us, like, who's going to – who wants to come to car fair? We'd both say no. And then he'd bribe. He'd be like, you can get hot chocolates and hot chips. And so I would always say yes. And my brother would never go. So I was the one who was easily bribed. Um, my dad, when my parents split, my dad did bas- like did all the basketball stuff with me. My mum did all the netball stuff. So we lived in like Hillsborough and Mangere, and so we and I would play out in West Auckland. So it would mean a lot of time in the car with dad, just cruising around. Um, when I moved to Wellington, and he'd come and fly to see me at some of my games. My favourite food in the world is a steak and egg fry bread from the Autada Flea Markets. Like, it's just... What steak and... Steak and egg fry bread from the Autada Flea Markets. What's that? It's literally like oh, a like fried... Steak like and a egg and a fried... Fried bread, yeah. And the steaks, steak and onion is marinated in a plum sauce. Like, it's the greatest... Greatest shit. Sounds like a seen. heart attack waiting to happen. <laughs> I've got another funny story about that. <laughs> I've never heard a heart attack and funny story in the same sentence. I'm looking forward to it. I actually, I actually <laughs> took one of my former stars teammates out there, and, and she's the only. Normally, people are like this is so good, like this is so yum. She was the first one who said, "This is my cholesterol intake for the month." <laughs> <laughs> this chick from Christchurch, and I was like, "Never!" I was a gobsmacked. I was like, "Who says it? Like this is the best." But when with Dad, he would. <laughs> You like that one, yeah, eh? Yeah, I got You like that one? Yeah, I got um, With Dad, he would fly down to watch some of my games on a Sunday, and on a Saturday morning at 5 o'clock, he would go and buy me, like, three steak and egg fry breads and then fly them, like, bring them down. Three months' worth of cholesterol three, in one Three day. months' worth of cholesterol intake, and boom, that's that, that was him. So, yeah, feeling – best feeling was that he never got to see me play live for the Ferns, but he – got to watch me debut from home and he was there when I first wore the dress um so and singing the national anthem so it takes something of real pride for me to wear Wilson on the back knowing that he's Mm, no longer here yeah and how how old were your parents um how old were you when your parents broke up I was about 13 13. I was just about to start high school it was like January before I started high school yeah what are you what are your recollections of that what sort of impact did that have on you it was interesting because I think I developed a better relationship with my dad once dad um, left home and but at the same time I got really good times with dad so like I said he was buying me the hot chocolates the hot chips and the lollies and so everything with dad was just amazing whereas mum and her whatever was happening her telling me to tidy up my room I was just not having a bar of it so I mean, oh, so he was like the fun dad and someone had to be the disciplinary yeah he yeah, was the yeah, fun yeah. dad Mum was the one who was really holding down the fort that I learned now, but she, she was just trying to boss me around and was someone who was quite dominant. Like, I just did not want to have it. <laughs> you butted heads. But, I, I mean, the, the way things panned out with losing your dad, especially such a young age, it's nice that, I, I don't know, I suppose it's nice that there was that separation and he, he did maybe go the extra mile and above and beyond yeah. know, to, to, to spoil you in a way. Yeah, definitely. So it leaves you with these good lasting memories. Yeah, definitely. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, so you, yeah, there's a photo on Instagram of you and your mum and your dad at yeah. your first Silver Ferns game. You're, you are way taller than both yeah. of them. Where was that? That was Spark Arena here yeah, in Auckland, cool. 2016. Can you? What happens when you make the Silver Ferns? Like, do, do you do you know you're about to be named, or is it a surprise phone call? Do you know you're sort of in the the realm of being named? Well, so yeah, when I, what happened is we had a Silver Ferns trial for the squads right after the ANZ Championship, and so I went, and I was honestly I went. Trial games, three days, and I literally was just got off the phone to my mum, and I was like, I'm ready for you to pick me up, like, take me and get some KFC. Like, I had it all planned out, and then that year they... By the way, by the way apologies if any uh, netball nutritionists are listening to this. Hey, I've come a long way. I've come a long way. All in moderation. I told you, I was a big gal when I was at high school. Um, and so we got letters... That was the thing that, yeah, so I came back out of the shower and there was a letter lying on my bed and it said I had made it and I had to call mum and say I was gutted that I couldn't have some KFC because I was staying in camp for a bit longer. <laughs> and then I remember walking out of my room to go and see um, Emilia Rain Ekanasio actually and at the same time Catherine Latu or Catherine Tuivaiti walked out and I had made it in over her. So it was her position that I had taken. And I remember thinking like, Oh my god! Like, so you're you're nineteen. I'm eighteen. Eighteen, eighteen. She's how? She's probably like thirty, thirty-one. Oh. And we were li- yeah, we were literally the same position. So I remember just walking out, and I was so nervous because I was like, I've literally just taken this woman's spot. And at that point, I didn't know whether I deserved it either. I was like, she's amazing, and she was really good about it. Like she gave me a big hug, but yeah, it's something that will stay in the back of my mind. That's a Awkward. lot. Uh, yeah, it's it's a reality of sport, though, isn't it? And th- this could be you in five years' time. Literally, could be me. So, like, you know, you, you can be so disposable. Like, people can just flick you away. And I think sometimes it's hard being in such a very conservative sport. I know I'm very PC because at times I don't want anything that I say or I do to negatively affect m- me or the sport or the organisation. What, what do you What do you mean it's a conservative sport? I feel like being there's things that we do as netballers or as women that I feel like we get blown up for, and then some of the men, like the rugby players, like it's just a normal part of their day. Can you think of any examples? Um, yeah, some of them involve like alcohol, oh, like yeah. even just a beer in a changing room post a rugby match is a normal thing. But I think they're still sponsored by Steinlager. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with that, by yeah. the way. But it was more the fact that. Yeah, sometimes we can be out at dinner having a few drinks and we get, yeah, it's different. Is that right? Unbelievable. Yeah. Who, who's making a big deal about this? I've completely, I've completely missed is it. Do you, is it a social media thing or is it something in the media? Yeah, a bit of both. Right. Yeah, a bit of both. I think sometimes, like, it's it's definitely something that I've internalised all the time and I'm very cautious about what I do when I'm in public or just when anyone's around. But... Yeah, I just feel like it's maybe it's something about netball in particular, or just because we're. What do you think? It's like a sexism thing, maybe. 
even if it's not deliberately sexist, maybe it is. It's like a bias. Maybe mm. I, I just this is what I see when I look at look at our rugby men, right? And sometimes I just feel like I don't think we could ever do that. Mm. What does a silver fern celebration look like? So, say you're in Birmingham for the Commonwealth Games, yeah. You win a bronze, yeah. What does that night look like? I had a great night. <laughs> I had a great night. Yeah, a lot of it. Sometimes can, I actually can't remember, but I, I feel um, like I feel like the um, the media will give you you a free pass at the end of a tournament if you've done well enough. Yeah, like the um, the all, when the All Blacks won the 2011 Rugby World Cup, I was living just around the corner from um, Ali Williams, and there was a, people were still spilling out of his house at you know seven, eight, nine in the morning the next day. <laughs> then they, everyone turned up to the parade in Queen Street, all hungover, and I feel like everyone's fine with it. But if it was in the middle of like a Bledisloe series. Yeah. Oh, it's all about timing, hey. Like, so all about timing. But, yeah, I had a great time in Birmingham. Like, it was my first Commonwealth Games. Like, for us, we've only got two pinnacle events, Com Games and World Cup. So um, there's always celebrations at the end. Regardless of the result, you still want to celebrate the small achievements you have. So, yeah, bronze wasn't what we went there for. But there was still so much on the path that you need to celebrate. So... It's yeah, we're still humans, like we're still normal people. Sometimes people put this athlete tag and put us on a pedestal that I personally don't think we should be on. It's a it's a career um, that requires like I suppose a lot of sacrifices in a lot of ways. Like you know, you need to yeah watch what you eat and watch what what you drink. So yeah, you should be able to cut loose every once in a while. It's not like I'm you know getting on the piss yeah. every night and and like normal people have like what Friday night drinks, Saturday night drinks. It's sort of the same. Just mm. yeah, we have to. I guess organise our life around sport so yeah. we're not going to be I'm playing on Sunday I'm definitely not going to be doing it tomorrow night or tonight you know like but it doesn't mean maybe after a Sunday game I can't celebrate with people 100% where's the where's the bronze medal what have you done with that please tell me it's not in a drawer no it better be Where on display somewhere like at your mum's house no I, it's in it is in a drawer <laughs> oh, at God. home I don't know what to do with it <laughs> I've, and I've still got all this gear that just sits in a bag in my wardrobe well like like do you, do you like, get a, a new dress every Silver Ferns game? Or no, new, I wish, but right. no. But I've got this whole Commonwealth Games kit that's literally just sitting in a bag in a wardrobe. And I'm quite particular with who I give my things to only because I want to give them to people that really appreciate it or like got a bit of gratitude for it because sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I've seen Silver Ferns kit in frickin' Save Mart. <laughs> <laughs> like, someone really wanted that sub, so they chucked it to Save Mart. And the Save Mart uh, price is like $2. Uh, unreal. Did I still have the name on there? Do you know whose kit it was in Save Mart? Yeah, I, do, I don't know whose kit it was, but I remember there was... Van this, Dyke, who could that be? <laughs> it was this um, Storm Purvis who works with Crowd Goes Wild oh, and Sky. Yeah. It was it had SP on it, so we knew whose initials it was, whose top it was. We just had no clue who she gave it to and who. So, yeah, someone. Maybe she, maybe Storm Mart. took it to Save Mart herself. <laughs> yeah, maybe she. Sorry, I was really hard up this week. Maybe she wanted extra two bucks. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about the the money side of things, but do, do you get paid as a silver fern? Yes. Yeah. Is, yep. the, is the money uh, money good? Is it okay? So our contracts are split between um, our ANZ Premiership team. And our Silver Ferns. So for ANZ Premiership, if you're not in Silver Ferns, you're pretty much on. I think the minimum's 23k. That's not that's not a lot of money. You can't live on that, and it's pretty much like a six to nine month commitment. Um, But for Silver Ferns, because you've got the income of both ANZ, which is mostly where you make your big money, Mm -hmm. and then you get the top up of of the Silver Ferns, it's a full time gig. Is it like the All Blacks, where like the more I don't know, the longer you've been around or the more famous you are, the more well-known you are, you get paid more? Or is it sort of like a flat rate? 
No, it's not a flat rate. It's definitely based on your value. So normally if you're in the starting seven, you would be up in the higher tiers. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. What does that high tier band look like? I don't know what it looks like, like off a, the top of my 100, head. Over 100K? If you combine it, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, if you combine both salaries, it definitely is, yeah. Mm. But I don't know. It's not great money, eh? I mean, it's, it's like it's... It, it's nothing to scoff at, but you, you, you know, at the end of this career, at thirty, thirty-five, whatever it happens mm. to be, then you've got to start something else. Yeah, yeah, you have Whereas, to have a backup plan, or you could be injured and no one wants you. Mm, like, it's, it's pretty cutthroat yeah. in terms of sport. Um, yeah, I do get jealous when I see some of our like some of the cricketers what they earn in the IPL. Like, holy hicker, I'm in the wrong sport. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I'm so in the you wrong need, sport. Like golf, a, tennis. <laughs> you need like an Indian netball league. Yeah, that's crazy money they get over there, right? Eh? Insane. And it's, it's only for like a short sentence. It's only like for like two or three months too. We just need more people in like the states and China and India to want to play netball, <laughs> and then we'll have yeah. an IPL. Where, where is where is netball big? It's massive here. Commonwealth. So yeah, they're, Jamaica. Uh, so. Australia, New Zealand, England, Jamaica are the top four teams. Um, you see a lot – South Africa's in there. You see a lot of uh, international imports from Malawi, Jamaica, South Africa go into the Australian and the um, English League. So there's only three professional leagues in the world. Um, and, but most, to be honest, you only make your money in Australia and New Zealand. Mm. Like good money. Yeah. And when they when they fly you away for Silverfin tournaments, you, they fly your business class? or No. Really? No. It's quite funny. Like having um, – I've had um, Tyler Nathan Wong from yes. the uh, – Yeah, they're, well, because NZRU, so yeah, they fly business. Yeah, so I had her on the podcast and Sophie Devine, who um, has played cricket, cricket for New Zealand for a million years. And she talked about the changes she's seen in, in her time. And it, yeah, it goes from like hand-me-down gear in the beginning to now flying business class places. I'm surprised. You guys are all tall. We're literally, apart <laughs> from sport, like yeah. four people, we're over six foot. Like, we're massive. But we have just been told that for this World World Cup, we can get a one-way premium. <laughs> so we're going premium, premium economy to South Africa, but economy back. And because, like, for a lot of us, we do one, well, one to two big trips a year, like going to South Africa and UK. Like, it's not down the road. Yeah. When you're going to somewhere like Aussie, like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, three hours, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. Like, yeah, but you're, you're about the same height as me. It's economy. I, you know, people are going to be like, ooh, boo, world's smallest violin. But yeah. economy's rough when you're over six foot. The person in front of you puts the seat down and it's basically like on your lap. Yeah, and so we're lucky sometimes. We're lucky enough we get exit rows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know, for me, I can't sleep upright. Yeah. Like, I need to lie down. So it's really <laughs> uncomfortable. And, yeah, there definitely are times where my knees are kissing. And the poor person in front of me, eh? Like, they it's must feel my knees up their bum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. I had a guy say to me once, hey, can, do you mind not kicking the seat? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't kicking the seat. It was like just moving around. It feels one of those, like one of those awful massage chairs in the yeah. mall. I'm like, we normally fly in New Zealand, so in New Zealand definitely isn't that bad. But yeah. I remember I flew China Southern once for basketball and literally hip to hip squeezing into a seat and then like, yeah, my feet would just not fit. Oh yeah, that's not a great, yeah, Southern China, not a great airline. No. Like if you, if you look online for the cheapest flights, it's always Southern China Airlines. Yeah, never yeah, again. It says something. Yeah, so back to your mum. So, so she got the cancer yep. after your dad passed. Yeah. When did your mum get sick? My mum got sick 2020. Yeah. Um, she found out the day we went into lockdown, the first lockdown. So that was really full on. Um, I had also 
pretty much until last year I'd been living half the year in Auckland, half the year in Wellington. So it meant that I stayed in Auckland for a lot longer than I was supposed to. And that was hard because it got to a point where I'm like, frick, am I going to lose both my parents and I'm 20? Like, what the hell, what the hell's that going to be? And then... It's a terrifying prospect, eh? Yeah, like never in the world did I think like dad would just literally pretty much drop dead and then a couple of years later, mum's really sick. So mm. she had a third of her right lung cut out um, and it just meant things like co- like laughing and coughing and eating and literally everything was a struggle. We lived in a four-storey house and to get to like the kitchen or the bathroom or wherever she was, she would have to walk up so many stairs, and that was a challenge for her. So, yeah, that was quite that was a big thing. Four story house mansion. Oh, it wasn't mansion. You're painting a quite a picture here. Nah, it was this glorious house in Hillsborough. It was not what you think. Could you I not wish. just put mum in the elevator? <laughs> maybe if I carried her up there, maybe. Oh man, that's a lot to go through. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so the, the the treatment and stuff during lockdown, like, how did that look? Were you able to like go to go to hospital well, and appointments with you? She wasn't even having treatment. Like, she couldn't have the surgery until pretty much post lockdown. So yeah, she didn't have it until about three months later. Um, and then she found out that like, she had heart issues. Like, there's all these things that started to pop up, and I'm like, yeah, there's also another reason why like, I took pretty much full control of the household. I don't think my stepdad really appreciated because I sort of came in like a hurricane and be like, you're doing this and you're doing that. Who's your stepdad? Is that your mum's my mum's partner? Yeah, my yeah. mum's partner. Yeah. So they've been together pretty much since I was 15. So, right. yeah, I came in like a hurricane and just took control. Oh, good for you. Well, someone has to, right? Someone has to. Yeah. I'm a control... Like, yeah. there are parts of... I'm a control freak too, so... Yeah. If it's not my way sometimes, it's definitely the highway. Your stepdad, is, is he a good guy? You like him? Yeah, yeah. I've known my stepdad... All my life, um, they my, they used to go to teachers' college together back in the eighties. So he's always I call him Uncle Rog because in brown families you always call everyone Auntie and Uncle, even if they you're not related. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, Uncle Rog has been around forever. Um, so it's yeah, not just a friend, but yeah. Now, right, did he always have an eye on your mum, even when she was married? <laughs> I you? don't know. I don't know. You, you have heard this chat? Ask, I have. I've thought about it. I've, I've cheekily thought about it. But nah, he's got like he's got kids and stuff too, so he's definitely only got all eyes for my mum now. Your, your, your dad never made things like, oh yeah, bloody Uncle Rod, he's been waiting for this. <laughs> I bet you, you he did. It just never came out. But what, and what was your mum and dad's like relationship like after they broke up? Were they still all right? Was it quite sort of amicable and? Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. It definitely. My brother and I were at the core of like the co-parenting and making everything. Like was was going on all right? I guess um, financially, my mum really took the helm, and mm. she would save. It was crazy the amounts of money that I would cost. Like one year would be thirty k, next year would be thirty five k, forty k, forty five for sports exchanges. For sports, and, like, yeah. I was playing in pretty much six different netball teams. I was playing in probably about four or five different basketball teams. I was doing athletics. Like I wasn't bad thrower. Like I was just doing everything. So. It added up, like, nipple shoes are like 300 bucks, socks, like, everything. Mm. Fees, basketball in particular was expensive. A trip to Aussie was like seven grand. Did you did you appreciate that at the time? Or is it only, like, looking back now from the lens of, like, a, a woman in her mid-twenties that you're like, fuck, that was a lot. Mum and Dad did. I never, I knew it was going on, but I never really resonated with me. And it's not until I'm an adult now and earning my own money, I'm like, fuck, the amount, like, mum would have to save. And pretty yeah. much it was just mum. 
um, my dad wasn't in the position to be able to help. So I don't know how she did it. And she hated fundraising because she would, it would always be the same people giving. Mm. And she didn't want to continue to give money out of yeah our whānau friends. So my mum's incredible. We I guess we were so similar when I was younger, we clashed a lot, but now as an adult, like we're on the phone all the time, like every day pretty much. I admire the investment that both my parents have made in me. Like, lucky I bloody made it. Like, think about 250, 300 grand wasted if I, did, <laughs> if I didn't actually give it a good crack. Well, there's, I think there's nothing worse for like anybody um, than not, not reaching your potential, whatever that may be. Maybe it's netball or sport, maybe it's not. But, um, yeah, it's that, they've made that investment in you, but you've sort of met them halfway, I guess, by trying your fucking hardest oh, to be the best. Oh, like, thank God, I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm too determined. I'm very driven. I'm very ambitious. Some days I can't do something. I'll be like, I'll bloody show you. Like, is, that, is that like a superpower for you, do you think? Um, like it's got you to where you are? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of it, the first, it's de- been developed. So the first part of it, I just knew I had raw talent and mm. I was naturally good at sport, could pass and catch ball. But this time, um, it's, mm, it's sometimes it's my profile, it's my sport that gets me in the door, but it's actually me that opens the door and yeah. just walks through. Yeah. Well, you seem very confident. Yes. I'm the most secure, insecure person you'll probably ever meet. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm very proud of the person that I am. Some people might call me arrogant or quite, um, yeah, very <laughs> up, aggressive. Up yourself or it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. A little bit. But I like to think that you I've got to... know a, who you are. I know who I am. Yeah. I would never do anything to hurt or harm anyone. And it's about the people. Like, I, I'm in a team sport, so it's about the collective, not necessarily about my own success. But, and then you break it down a level, and then I've had massive, like, body image issues in the past. I had this whole Instagram post that blew up that was never meant Mm. to be what it ended up making it. I just had these really shitty thoughts in my head, and I wanted to get them out. Blow, and then it blows up. And seeing the impact and the response that other people had, like, even now, everyone asks me about it, and they're like, have you come a long way? And I'm like... Yes and no, I'm still struggling with it, mm. but it's just part of my normal now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's get into that now. So this was um, an Instagram post that you put up in uh, 2021. Is this the side by side photo? Yes. So there's um, there's you looking. Um, would you would you say maybe a little bit sick, a little bit skinny? I on was the left? sick. Yeah, I was yeah. self diagnosed myself. And with, then on the, um, the right, you at your I suppose ideal weight. Yeah, healthy it was weight. How? Yeah, it was. And during the first lockdown. Um, a lot of I've always been a big girl, and when I first got on the netball system, uh, I saw a nutritionist, saw see a nutritionist, and a part of that journey was that I needed to lose weight, and it was all about the scales. And so here's this 15 year old just being told that you got to lose weight. That was like quite big for me. And each appointment that I'd see her monthly, it was only ever about how much weight I lost. It was about nothing else. And so there would be times where I'd go to these appointments and I just wouldn't eat the whole day before, I wouldn't drink anything because I was so nervous about what the impact. Almost like a boxer trying to trying to get ready for a fight. Yeah, and like I was starving. Like, I was so hungry. Like, <laughs> think of me not K- eating KFC for a whole was day. Like, Where's my KFC was calling, like, <laughs> steak and egg from it. The Asians at the all ton of flea markets, like, are you all good? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you having that cholesterol yeah. heart attack right now? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's someone else I've had on the podcast called Zoe McBride, who's um, she's a rower, mm. and she was the same. And she just because they've like weight 
certain weight grades for the yeah. role. And it ended up just like crushing her. And she ended up like pulling out of the Olympics and letting her partner down like a couple of months before. So she not only sacrificed her own Olympic dreams, but, um, you know, basically cost her, her, her boatmate um, an Olympic thing as well. But she just got so unhealthy and obsessed with the scales. And I think as an athlete, a lot of the times, like your body is your vehicle, like that's your job. Yeah. And I related my weight so much with fitness and at the same time fitness targets had just started coming in. So I was like, okay, if I'm lighter, I'm going to be able to run faster, run further. It's just going to be better for me. So I got so fixated on losing weight as the years went on. During lockdown, I was weighing myself before and after every meal, like sometimes 10 times a day. You're joking. So when you, so you'd wake up in the morning and like weigh yourself first thing, first thing, after like every, after I ate everything, after I went to the bathroom every time, like literally everything I weighed. Well, what's so um, like you look amazing sitting in front of me now. What's your what's your weight now? I wouldn't know. The scales oh. are the devil. I haven't oh, hopped, fantastic! I haven't hopped on the scales for a long, long time, and I'm not going to. What do you think about in relation to like where you were in? I'm probably like five to ten kgs, right? Heavier than what I was. Does anyone anyone like nutritionists or any trainers or anything say anything now? No, I somehow I just unintentionally changed the game because I started being quite vocal with my issues and then it meant that people, it was optional to weigh and then the scales weren't at mm. trainings because we used to weigh before and after every training to see how much fluid loss okay. we had. Oh, so this is, this is, see, I was thinking maybe this is something that's in your mind, like it's a perception well, it's that both. you, no, but if there's scales there at training, then it's not just in your mind, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah, it was all about performance, so like, yeah, every training we would weigh in and out. What and for? Like, for? To see how much fluid we lost and how much we had to replace. Right, oh, Okay. And so apparently there's all this research now that, like, you don't need to use a, like, you can just look at your pee, all that sort of stuff. But for me back then, I pl- I've i always placed so much, a high value on the scales and the number. And oh, it was just really, mm. like, stuffing with my mind. So in the end, when I got, I got really sick with, um, with a, a well, eating disorder, with a, what is it, relative... Uh, energy deficiency. Syndrome. Oh, reds, reds. Yeah, Sophie McBride had that, and yeah. um, oh, who was it? One of the two raw sisters, Rosa, Rosa yeah. Flanagan. Uh, yeah. She was a runner on an American scholarship. She had the same thing. Yeah, so reds. I got it's reds. Massive. It's massive, and I didn't know. So it, there was physically, I could tell because I could see my ribs, like big gal, you never see your ribs. And then unless you go to Lone Star, <laughs> unless you go to Lone Star, <laughs> and then I what I lost my period for about four to five months. Um, Physically, I just felt like I was on fire. Like I was, I was hitting all these yo-yo targets, like PBs and everything. And then as the season started back up, I remember I started getting so like absolutely buggered after a first quarter. I'm yeah. like, why am I tired? Like, I've literally only played one quarter, and I'm the fittest I've ever been. And then found out that it was Reds. So yeah, it's been a long journey. Even now, even now, I still struggle with it because. I am bigger than both of those photos, and even then, I don't aesthetically. I don't necessarily like what I see and the language that I can use about myself. Like now, like now. But I know in terms of performance, I've had probably the most consistent mm. um, season yeah. of my career. Why don't you like what you see? What do you mean? Because I always, I still deep down feel like I'm too big and don't want to be the size of the first photo where I'm absolutely sick mm. but I feel like oh if I lost a couple of kgs I'd I'd look in my head better but I feel like I could probably lose 
any amount of yeah. and still not be happy. I wasn't. I still wasn't happy when I was the lightest I've ever been. Mm. So, what's your relationship like with food now? Just what anything goes. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. way. I think that's the thing that's changed. As I used to be really restrictive. Um, during lockdown, I'd only have one cheap meal and one dessert, and then the next day I'd feel like crap because I had a biscuit. Like, and then I'd spend <laughs> no way to live your life. No, right? and then it just meant that I was doing extra training on my day off because I felt to so guilty because I for eating that one cookie. Oh my god! You need to listen to the episode with Sophie McBride. I do. Honestly, identical stories. Yeah, and what I've learned from my journey and the people that can still connect to me this day, like I've had. Parents, I've had like little kids as young as like seven come up to me. Um, but it's not just, it's an issue that doesn't actually, it doesn't discriminate. I've had men come up to me and I have conversations with men all the time about it. Like it, everyone is struggling with something. Mm. I just happen to have a bit of a profile and yeah. talk about it once and it blows up. So that decision to do that post in 2021 on, you, on your Instagram page, um, it, it, it did blow up in a big mm. way. It ended up making um, like national news. Yeah. And you, you must have realised it would be naive to think there, there wasn't a chance that was going to happen when you when you shared it. See, this is it's a bit different now, but I even in that time, I don't think I'm anyone different to Joe Bloggs next door. Yeah, I play netball. I understand that I play on TV, but apart from being in the netball courts or in the netball environment, I don't think I'm anyone different. Yeah. So it is really it happens to me all the time, but it is. Uncomfortable not uncomfortable, but new when people come and talk to me outside of those environments or, or they want to talk to me. And so I guess at that time I was just, I was just a young woman playing netball for mm, a living yeah. and I wasn't a superstar. I had been in the ferns, but I wasn't necessarily like your main person. Yeah, yeah. So why would it blow up? Very naive. Yeah. You must have, um, Oh, it must have been so um, satisfying and validating when we just refreshing seeing the comments come in. Because all the comments are wonderful, eh? Uh, yeah, they were awesome comments. I took it in the fact that I found it quite overwhelming because at that point I felt like, yeah, there was all these articles and everyone wanted to talk to me about it and then I had foundations coming and wanting me to be an ambassador. Mm. And that's where I was sort of just like... Farah, I'm struggling. I don't know whether I can be an ambassador when I haven't got through it. Like, I don't want to be a fraud. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't think I can be a spokesperson right now. I can be a spokesperson for my journey, but I don't felt a bit uncomfortable at that point to be an ambassador for a whole, like, a whole issue. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was lovely, but then it made things a little bit scary at the same time. But if, if someone else thinks you're fit to be an ambassador, then, uh, like, obviously you are. Do you know what I mean? Like, as a compliment? Yeah. Taking it as a compliment in a way? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Like, I know, I know it's, it's, it's your journey, but they obviously thought it's, it's going to be relatable and helpful to a whole lot of other people. Uh, yeah, I think at the time I just felt like all these things were happening to me, like my illness was happening to me. I didn't have control of it. Whereas now I feel like I have a bit more control of it and I'm way more secure in myself that I'd be like, hey, actually, yeah, I'll I'll happily be an ambassador. I've been talking, working with some like production companies on doing a um, eating disorder series or a little doco. And it's now, when they first came to me with it two years ago, I, I couldn't do it. But at the moment I'm like, actually, I know my story. I now I'm okay with um, being an ambassador. Mm. So why not take it with two hands? Yeah. During the um 
time where you had this un- unhealthy relationship with the scales and food, did you, did, did you ever, um, like, I don't know if try is the word, but like try, uh, you know, to, to make yourself throw up or anything like that? No, I that's no. Yeah. No, I never never went that far, to be honest. I yeah, don't think I have the balls right? to do it. Yeah. I'd just rather feel guilt and just not eat. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, food's never something you should feel guilty about, though, eh? That's the difference now between yeah. me then and now is I'll just eat whatever. And I know now that I train my ass off every day of the week. I do enough that it's not good. And within reason, like I eat pretty well in general anyways. Yeah, of course so, you do. Of course you do. Like it doesn't matter. I'm not as restrictive mm. as I was. So so all this was going on while your, while your mum was getting, um, yeah. So, yeah. Fuck. You and mean, food you, diaries, you, I would document everything on my phone. And then, yeah, in between, sorting out pills and making sure she was eating and organising visitors and having to host people. How did you not crumble at this time? So you lost your dad a couple of years prior to this. Yeah. Uh, there was the lockdown, which every, everyone went through. Yeah. Your mum's sick. Yeah, you're dealing with this, the stress of this and the, all this guilt and shame surrounded by food, food and body weight. How, like, how did, you, how did you not crumble? Don't get me wrong, I did crumble yeah. by the end of it. Once everyone else was okay and we were in a sort of space where I could, then I did. So you just sort of compartmentalised compartmentalize things until your mum was better and then you could sort of breathe. Yeah, and like I wear, like for everybody, you wear a few hats. So I was a daughter, I was a sister, I was a, uh, I wasn't, oh, was I captain? I was a netball player, I was a partner, family member. So it just meant that different hats had to take a step back. So at that point in time, I was a crap partner because... I didn't have time to... My partner was in Wellington. Like, I didn't have time to communicate. I had bigger things that needed my attention. Mm. So it just meant that... But once I did crumble, I needed those people that I neglected. And so I was lucky enough that they still came around. Yeah. Crumbling, what did that look like? Struggling to sleep. Like, yeah, pretty... Very, very emotional. Crying all the time. Um, Lack of motivation and training. Um... Just being a right asshole, to be honest, to be around. Like, I would have been the most horrible person. Yeah. Like, I'd show up to training, but I just wasn't there, and I was probably rude and overtired, and yeah, a combination of things. Probably just wanting, to, avoiding everybody and anything. Yeah, how's your mental health now? You're in a good space. I'm. I'm living my best life at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a, Thank what a, God. What, a, what does that mean? I see that on Instagram, and it usually involves. Um, like hammocks, and hammocks, hammocks, and a hollowed out coconuts and palm trees. What's I would your love, best life? I would love to be sipping on a cocktail <laughs> in a hammock somewhere warm right now. Um, yeah. Well, my team at Nipples going really well. Yeah. So really happy with that. With the World Cup on the rise, hopefully that comes in. Um, my personal life, I just feel like I'm really secure and and everything that's going on there, and and my family are happy. So yeah, just. Just living my best life. Yeah, you, you, you came over with your um, your, your partner today. Yes. He's um, sitting in the room with us. How did you guys meet? How did we meet? Did, did you want to talk about him or you want to save this for Women's Day? Well, <laughs> so, well I've been um, blindsided a few times. He, he's just, it's quite interesting. He is the topic, he's the flavour of the month. Everyone loves him. Liam Lonigan, um, son of Dean Lonigan, who's been on the, the, the podcast. Yes, yeah. he is the mystery man that just... <laughs> Just like a bad smell, he just never goes away. <laughs> he's just hold, he's holding my hand here today. Yeah, to make sure I don't stuff up. My whole family love him. Um, I was doing this netball interview with, on a netball show, and the whole interview was about him. So we um, 
Yeah, now I'm turning the podcast around, so the now podcast is about him. Yeah, now it's a, now the po- everything's about him. I like to say his family are in love with me, so hopefully when it's in his world, they talk about me. But um, how do we meet? We met, he actually slid in my DMs on Instagram. Did he now? He did. He did. Apparently, a couple of years ago. So, the, so DM slide. How, how does that, so you're, you're friends on Instagram first, first and foremost. Does he does he um, chip away by liking a few posts or commenting on posts? Well, I've yeah, I've got a um, public profile, so he must. There's even a bigger. How, how many followers have you got? You got a lot, lot of followers, right? About, about ten thousand. Yeah, about ten yeah, k. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know who I didn't know who he was when he first came around, and then I saw this random profile like keep liking my story photos. I'm like. <laughs> What's this he's, about? He's playing the long game. He's playing the long. He's playing the long game. It's quite funny. We've had this conversation about how it's happened all the time, and then I was having a great night out, and he liked a photo that I put up, and I was like, you know what? Let's see. I, I followed him back, and then a conversation just started, and pretty uh, much. Who wrote the first comment? He did. Yeah. Can you remember what it was? Hey, up to. No, I'd have, <laughs> I don't think it was that bad. I don't think it was that cheesy. But yeah, definitely, I'd have to scroll back to think about it. But apparently, apparently, I had someone catfished me on Tinder years ago, and apparently, we matched on Tinder a couple of years ago. So that's sort of like how it started. Wow. What do, what do you mean you got? How did you get catfished? Someone took really old like photos of me off my Instagram. Oh, gotcha. And they didn't and, and even I... change the name. So like, they were literally acting like it was Maya. I got sent the screenshot from um, from a friend. Wow! A couple of years ago, and then I don't know how he started following me again. But I think like a mutual friend I was working with the day before, and then saw him the next day, and they started talking about me. So Are you sure this isn't just time. an elaborate story that you told your partner at the time when he found out you were on Tinder? <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, what did you like to know? It's a catfish. It's a catfish. Babe, babe, it's not me. It's not me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> oh, it's good. So you're you're happy. It seems like you're in a good place. Yeah, have you been have you been in love before? What's your previous longest relationship? Seven years. Seven years, really? From when yeah. to when? Uh, when when I was eighteen till about till sort of recently. Yeah, the start of the year. What happened there? You just drift apart? Oh, or? I think it was a combination of things. Like he was based in Wellington, I was based in Auckland, and I would shift my life every six months to move down. I loved it down there. I loved his family, and and I'm really grateful for everything that. I experienced and I learned off him and them. Um, but it just got to a point where, I don't know, I felt like things weren't necessarily 50-50 and what mm. I would have liked it. Um, and I, he just wasn't my person. He was right for that right moment. In, t- mm. in, the, in that moment in time and everything, like he was the person I needed then, but just not the person for me. There's a thing I saw on um, TikTok or Instagram or something. Uh, the, the quote goes, um, people come into your life for a, a reason, or a season, a season or yeah. a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he was a reason in a season. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and but, it's been hard to navigate a new relationship when it's been so close too. So I feel like I didn't want to disrespect him, mm. but it was ready for me and I felt like it was right and I'm really, really happy and... And it's yeah, that's just how it is. How, did you break his heart? Pro- yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Oh, breakups are tough, eh? 
especially when you when you spend that long with someone, and yeah, because it's not not like you're just breaking up with the person; it's the family as well, and the, the family was and, a massive part yeah. of it. Like, is he Maori? He was Samoan. Samoan. Um, I lived in his family household, which was quite big, um, and his sisters were two of my best mates. Yeah. We would talk one in particular. We would talk multiple Facetime multiple times a day. Um, that was yeah, that was definitely one of the yeah. harder parts of letting go was the family. Um, but I had to make the decision that it wasn't, it can't be about the family. It has to be about the relationship, and it just wasn't. It wasn't what I felt like. It wasn't in the direction mm. I felt like I was going in. I, yeah, I feel like this says a lot about your character because uh, a lot of people would be like, "Oh, the relationship's fine. It's not a hundred percent, but it's mostly good." And and people, a lot of people, I think, would probably, actually, probably myself included, would just like plow on through with it. Keep with it, but you, but it's like if I you did. know that something's not a hundred, you'll well, it's sort to be honest, that's I, that's what I did for like if I'm being on, if we were being honest, the relationship wasn't good in, in, in parts, yeah. And so, um, I had actually pretty much said, like, you're either moving to Auckland or like, I just don't want to do long distance, I just don't see that for me. And if you don't want to come, that's absolutely fine, like, I think it's just best. So, I actually we split two weeks before he was moving to Auckland. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it, it probably sucks, it needed to stop yeah. earlier. Um, there's definitely parts where emotionally I was checked out for a long time. Yeah. So that's probably the hardest thing and maybe one of the reasons why I have been able to move on so much more mm. is because I've been emotionally checked out for a long mm. time. It's good that you can, um, you can recognise all this stuff. Have, have you have you had therapy over the years or anything? You've been to a therapist. I've been to I see a psych fortnightly. Have been for pretty much like five to seven years. Yeah, like a psy- psychologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so a lot. For so how many years? So since since your dad passed, was that the sort of catalyst or? Well, yeah, I've been seeing them on and off with sport because you see them for yeah. sports psychology. But um, the one that I've been working with in particular, I've been working for about four or five years with her, and. It depends on the session. Like sometimes I'm talking about leadership and netball or performance, and then other stuff I'm actually talking about relationships and my family and stuff going on. So, yeah, these are definitely conversations that come up in my appointments. Yeah. Is it like a, a sports psychologist? Yeah. But what's the difference between a sports psychologist and like a, a well, clinical? Or... They're pretty much the same. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of sports psychs are clinical psychs. Yeah. They just happen to specialise in sports, so mm. it was sort of like the best of both worlds for me. Yeah, you find like how did you find the first time? I feel, I feel like women are probably better at going to a, a therapy session than what men are. I, I put it off for years. I only went for the first time like about five years ago. It was we, a big step for me. And then I, I realised I was such a dick afterwards. It was like, yeah. why didn't you do that sooner? It was the easiest thing. It was actually quite cathartic. When I first started seeing about um, this, my current one or five years, I and sometimes even I hate doing, going now because half the time I walk out crying or... Like I and I just hate feeling so emotionally drained, mm. but I know if I'm if there's emotion in it, like it's the right thing to talk yeah. about. And so yeah, there's definitely been times where she calls me out on my stuff, and I'm thinking, "Oh, I actually thought that was I was doing the right thing, but actually I'm just trying to do things to validate my own damn self." So yeah, I get called oh, okay. out all so the time. So she keeps you honest. She keeps me honest. She challenges me that it's not necessarily all about me, but am I trying to avoid stuff because mm. I know and like fight or flight mode I will avoid things if I'm starting to crash and just not want to talk about it yeah like just put walls up yeah or just like like ignore like if I have a crap game I don't if I have a crap game I won't look at any stats like I won't look at I won't watch the game 
because I don't want to feel like even crappier about myself. Flip side, if I play a great game, sometimes I read those bloody keyboard warrior comments <laughs> because they're gassing me up. But like that's the, such the difference is that I'll start reading that stuff because I want to be gassed up. And then when I play like crap, like I avoid it like the plague. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing. I suppose you, if, if you're going to take the good, the positive, you've got to take the negative as well. The best thing is to try and you know, not get not get too up, up yourself, but not get too down on yourself either. Find that balance, yeah. right? And I wouldn't say like, I like to think I'm not an arrogant person, yeah. so I am confident in myself. But yeah, sometimes I'm just like, I like to think I'll do things with mana and dignity, like, and, and dignity. Yeah. Even like the whole breakup, I really try to make think like make sure the other person was okay. Just because I don't want, like, I would hate to just be that person that just ups and goes and is just an asshole. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this with kindness, and it's not hard to be kind. How's your How's your relationship now? Any contact or? No, 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 no contact. Maybe it'll happen in time. Like se- seven years. That's is a, a long time. Yeah. Um, and is it just easier for him at the moment not to have any contact? Or I think the biggest part for him has been that I've moved on. Yeah. So, I yeah, I reckon it's going to take a while. And and you know what? If he doesn't want like if he doesn't want to talk, that's absolutely fine. Um, I think it's been really hard for the family. Like you go, we go talking multiple times a yeah. day, being in family chats and all that sort of stuff. So for me to sort of just actually, because we had split up on and off before, but it was the first time I was like, nah, like I'm actually gone. Mm. So yeah, I think they're all still really hurting, and I know that they'll see I'll be on the news or. Nepal will come across and they have to change a channel because it's just too hard for them really to oh. see me and and oh, that's, that's hard that's you don't time. want them you don't yeah. want anyone hurting like that when they find out your current boyfriend is a um a wannabe New Zealand comedian <laughs> with very low income prospects. <laughs> I mean, he's no Di Henwood, is he? He's... Well, I'm so I'm, I'm trying to figure out who's the real comedian in this relationship because I don't know whether it's him. Yeah. And your, your potential future father-in-law? Have you had much to do with him? My potential future father-in-law. Yeah, we've been around the blocks. It seems like it's always a boxing event, though. So right, right. I'm going into into their field. But, yeah, it's quite nice. Um, Liam actually gets phone calls every morning at 7.30 from his dad to make sure he's awake. So it's nice. I can I can mimic their whole conversation every morning. Oh, yes. Every morning. So, yeah. It's quite... It's, uh, how, like, how long is that? Like a 40-second phone call? 30-second phone Yeah, fo- pretty much, yeah. like... <laughs> hey man, just checking you're up. Like it's something that's like, like goes on about that. He's getting really annoyed at me right now that I'm saying this. But it's I think it's most it's beautiful adorable. because it's like adorable. these are two like two men, like father and son relationship. They have it's pretty incredible. So um I think it's quite cute. We've pretty much been inseparable since we're men. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, Isn't that funny how you can just DM with someone and not really know, you know what they choose to put on social media, but then you meet them and you just click? I reckon we've done like the goods, bads, and the uglies. Like pretty much from day one, like we were both quite open with how things were. And at that time, too, I was going through like my ex partner had my car. So, like, there were things that I remember feeling quite man, I've got this new guy who I actually really enjoy spending time with. I feel like this could go somewhere. How do I tell him that I'm having to organise, like, a car and being stuck in the middle 
And so I was really grateful for how he treated that situation mm. because it was with a lot of grace and being like, it's only short term. Like, yeah. it, it's a long term game. Oh man, I can't, I can't imagine the um, how difficult that conversation is and, and how guilty you felt. Not that you should, but you just you just do, you feel like a bad person. Like right? both ways. Like I just yeah. felt like I was having these hard conversations with someone who'd been in my life for seven years yeah. and wanting to treat that with so much kindness. At the same time, I'm having to tell that whole, pretty much a lot of that conversation to this new person that I've just met, and I don't want him to freaking lie. I don't want that to scare him off. <laughs> With all your baggage. With all my, yeah, yeah, yeah like, yeah, literally, yeah. I've just, like, wait, a couple of weeks gonna... in, and here's this baggage, and you're like, holy hecka, like, what other baggage do you have? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no joke, jokes aside, you're, like, you're, you're current partner, um, but he's, he's a good, reasonable guy, and he understands that everyone's got a past, and everyone's got baggage. Oh, well, yeah, now he's Don't worry, he's got, he's, he's got his own he's fucking got baggage. Own, he's got his own baggage, that's for sure. <laughs> but it's quite interesting, because now he's playing, like, my manager, like, he's, like, I'm going to get you on Dom's podcast. I was like, yeah, like if Dom needs someone, I'm happy to go on. I don't know if I've got much to talk about. He's like, I'm getting you on the podcast. I was like, okay, he's, he's telling me what to do, which for someone who likes control has been like, I've been quite difficult with it mm. in times, but I've been quite open. Like he's very career driven and he's, there's comp- times where I follow him out to his house in my car and he's like the whole, comp- whole car ride. I've been thinking about your career and how I can help you and, um, oh, how good. All that sort of stuff. And I'm not used to that. I'm definitely not used to that. We are very, very different, like polar opposites mm-hmm. in so many ways. We challenge each other all the time, but I think that's probably like the best part of our relationship yeah. is that we challenge and we, like, our superpower is our communication. That's oh, that's an, and that's an awesome superpower to have. Yeah. Well, um, now that you've been on my podcast, you can break up with him. I know. Uh, <laughs> he's he's, he's had his use, he's gone. <laughs> go away, he's gone. Him. You guys farted in front of each other? He has all the time. <laughs> but I would say, I like, farting's a... How do I put this? You get awards in my family, not about the noise, but about the smell. And for oh, some reason, stuff. since he's come into my life, I was a gaseous, like, honestly, I took pride in that, and I just haven't been able to. So it's something about him that's putting me off, putting my body off, because I actually want to do it to clear a room. I'm really good at clearing rooms. So really? I want to do it for him to see so he knows... What he's coming up for, I just haven't been able to. I'm that, so disappointed. That's a turning point in the relationship, I reckon, when that happens. Yeah, well, we've got to the stage where, like, he'll be in the shower and I'll be, like, sitting on the toilet, so mm. we've got that far. It's funny how relationships take their own sort of life form. Like, my, my previous girlfriend, like, she'd go to the toilet with the door open and she'd fart in front of me. My current girlfriend, she'll have a shower and she'll lock the door and, you know, she's, like, very, very... Yeah, it's, it's just interesting how... You have different relationships and different dynamics with different people. Yeah, I think we've both realised, like, oh, well, you've seen the best, the worst, the ugliest. <laughs> like, you've heard it all, been there, done that. There's stuff he knows about me that, like, not many people know, really? and vice versa. So, like, wow. oh, well, if you want to run, you would have run before. I've got nothing else to hide. That's, but it's nice, though, if you can be, like, that completely, like, open and vulnerable with someone. Yeah, and we're still, and the thing is, we're still very, like, we're still early on. We've only been seeing each other for a couple months. And so it's been really nice that it's been so easy. And Mm. I don't normally talk about my personal life. So, like, for me to even say that here and he's in the room, like, it just shows how much confidence that I have and what we have. Mm. Have you said I love you to each other? He told me he loved me before we actually became. On a Instagram, real, uh, actual uh, oh, no, not in, oh. uh, in real life. Before we actually came a couple, like an official couple. Really? What did you say? There's only one. There's only one acceptable answer when someone says "I love you." 
Is that what I said? Thank you. Oh, oh what, a, what a prick. Oh, my what a prick. God. No, so much. I feel like no. you're not going to say it if you don't mean it. No, because I was sort of in the space. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you made me look like an asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> he put me in the space where I was like, you're going to tell me you love me before you ask me out? Like, And I remember when he asked me out, I was like, you're going to do better than that. And then it... And it still happened like that. I was just like, oh, well, like, mm. it is what it is. So, but you, so you have said it, though, since then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He gets sick of how much we say it to each other. Right. So, Oh, that's nice. His mother tells me she loves me pretty much every time I see her, too. So I think, I've told oh. him, actually, I really love his family. I told him I'm leaving him for his papa. His papa is the most incredible man I've ever met. Oh, not his dad, his granddad. No, his granddad, The old, yeah. the old dude on Waiheke. No, 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 on his mum's side. On the mum's side. On okay. his mum's side. <laughs> so his da- his granddad's like 92, 93, like works every day on their farm, like is hilarious, is way funnier mm. than his grandson. Like just <laughs> the whole part of it. I told him I'm leaving him for his granddad. Oh, for Papa. that's lovely. That's so nice. Hey, it's been great meeting you today. Yeah, thanks I, for I having feel like me. Um, all I know you from is seeing you on TV on netball, playing yeah. netball, and uh, the stuff that you've shared on social media. But the um, the Maya Wilson that's sitting in front of me today, it seems like you're in a really good space mentally, physically, everything. Yeah, yeah you happy? This is the, the I think the happiest you've been in a long time. Yeah, and a lot of I'm sick of making it about him, but a lot of it's to do with the fellow in the room. So. <laughs> Like, it makes it happier when you're just in a great space. Yeah, but don't, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him, but you've got to give yourself some credit as well, because it seems like you've, you've, you've been through a lot and you've done, done a lot of hard work. Yeah, and I think it's because I know, like, I'm actually a really good person. I'm very black and white. Like, I either love you or I hate you, but you'll know where you stand. But it, in general, like, everything comes from love and from mm. care, and it's about everyone else rather than myself. I will drag myself through the dirt for other people. Mm. Before I actually do something for myself. Yeah, what, what's your um, inner voice like? Are you you mostly quite kind to yourself? Mm. You're quite hard on yourself. What do you reckon? I want to say the inner voice is quite is a massive critic, but yeah. I'm way more vocal now about actually I'm I'm a good bitch, like, which is probably the change in the security that I feel about myself. Yeah. Remember, the most secure, insecure person you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. Now I understand what it means. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get there? Because I, I, I battle with this a lot. Like, I'm I'm so hard to... I speak to myself in mm-hmm. ways that I, I would not accept anyone else speaking to me. Um, how did you turn that around? Is it just the work you've done or what? A lot of it's the work. Yeah. Um, a lot of it has been in reflection of this last breakup and knowing that I always knew I was all good on my own, but I'm actually all good on my own. And um, I actually quite enjoy my own company. I care deeply for all the people in my life. That's a lot to be proud of. And the netball's just the netball. It has mm. nothing to do with the person that I am and what I give to other people. And the more that I verbalise that, like I communicate that all the time. Now, when I have bad thoughts, I'm very open with my partner being like, this is going on right now for me. And I actually might not need you to do anything, but I just need to say it so that it just gets it out of there. And I'm not continuing to dig a hole and build stories, internalise stories in my head. Nice. And um, professionally, second half of your second half, I guess, of the, your netball career. Like, mm. what, what are the what are the goals? What are the dreams? Uh, so we have July World Cup. So I'd love. I've never been to a World Cup. I've always been a non-travelling reserve. So I'd love to get into the twelve for that. Um, just yeah, I want to start developing my 
um, comms background, doing a bit of um, broadcasting and whatever that means, or marketing, and just, yeah, preparing for the transition of post-netball, because I feel like I've got the contacts and got the networks, I just need to start getting out there and yeah, developing that side of things. Yeah, and you're a great speaker and you've got a great story. So I'm sure whatever you, I mean, listen, whatever you put your mind to, I'm sure you'll be able to do it very well. Even if it did take you six years to get a comms degree. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Hey, it was free though. Not many people can say that. No, I'm, I'm having you on. You had a lot going on. You had netball going on, stuff with your dad. All right. Hey, Maya Wilson, thanks so much for coming over and being on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening all the way through. That was Maya Wilson from The Silver Ferns on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Listen, if you ever have any feedback about the podcast, you can message me, domharveynz at gmail.com or domharveynz on Instagram. I read every message that comes through. I try to respond to as many as I can. I genuinely do appreciate the feedback you've got, especially um, guest suggestions and feedback for how I can improve the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, on the platform that you listen to the podcast, if it allows... Maybe write a review or give the podcast a rating. Five stars, preferably. Just before we go, thanks again to the sponsors, Radix Nutrition. Give them a follow on Instagram or check them out, Radix, R-A-D-I-X, nutrition.co.nz. I almost guarantee once you try their products, you will become a return customer and a customer for life. That is how good their products are. Radix Nutrition, R-A-D-I-X, .co.nz. All right. Once again, thanks. And I do hope to see you next week on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.